This is Vince McCauley. This is Coach Crayon of the Surrey Scorchers. This is Scott Melvin, CEO and co-founder of Buzz16. This is Rodney Glasgow for the Sheffield Sharks. This is Kennedy Leonard from the London Lions. And you're now listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. Enjoy the BBL Show. Welcome to episode 12 of the Summer Road Trip here at the BBL Show. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker. This week, we give our flowers to a great friend of ours and a fantastic servant to the league, Mike Tuck of the Sheffield Sharks. Looking forward to catching up with that later. How are you, Mr. Lasker? Man, I'm excited to get Tuck on here. This episode is about him. It's giving him his flowers, giving him his just due on one hell of a career. So, you know, many battles that you and I have gone with this guy. And so now we're on the same team. And that's here trying to promote the league, trying to push the league and uh, be entertained by which it's looking like it's going to be very entertaining. What about yourself, my man? Yeah, no, good. Just uh, back up here in Gloucester. We got basketball camps this week and trying to finalize rosters because two weeks time that preseason starts. Mm. So, uh, you know, Mike, Mike's a lucky guy. He's going to get to avoid that. But uh, yeah, all things are good. Let's get a quick roundup of all the recent BBL action. It's your social media spy. It's the Marriott Minute. Sign-ins. Continue to come in hard and fast. Surrey Scorchers add five. Led by returning captain Teo Ogundebi, former Phoenix Carl Carey, NBA One standout Luke Basumbru, former giant following his coach Josh Steele, and lastly, South Sudan international Padia Wang. Sharks announced Rodney Glasgow Jr. is new captain taking over from retired Mr. Mike Tuck, as well as returning big man, Marcus Del Pesh, Evan Walsh back in at Riders, Glasgow Roxy, Scottish big man Ali Fraser returned back, patrolling the paint and add import David Sloan. Lloyd Daniels is in at Cheshire. Brandon McKissick joins the new look Newcastle Eagles. Manchester Giants add sharpshooter Corey Johnson and big man Taj Green. And London Lions continue adding to an all star lineup with experienced European big man Tomislav Zubic. Canadian Aaron Best and GB International Tarek Phillip. Conspiracy theories surrounding Manchester Giants as fans point out the BBO itself is not covering or announcing any of their signings or news despite the team itself doing so with fan theories being the relationship between new investors 777 and new head coach and GM Vince McCauley. Are there frosty friendships or is it fan paranoia? I'll leave you to decide. And finally, former guest of this summer's road trip, Sam Nieter of Hoops Fix, take a bow for the summer of a lifetime, culminating in a sellout Copper Box Arena, beating California travel team featuring LeBron James' son, Bronny and Bryce, in an exciting matchup. If this is the future for basketball in this country, wow, exciting times. And that's this week's Marriott Minute. Let's give... One of our former guests, which is a couple episodes ago, Sam Nieter, his flowers. This guy, man, he is the MVP of the summer. If you look at all the events, the summer, the, the pro-am, and now this guy sells out the copper box and from social media, from the pictures, from the videography, we got 
our guys at at Hoops T going viral with that picture. And the atmosphere looked electric. We had the James brother, that's LeBron James, his kids, involved in it. And, man, I mean, British basketball, and I say this every week, it just keeps rising and rising. What was your thoughts on this great, fantastic event that Sam needed to put together? People will look at it and they'll think, you know, he, he, he's an overnight success. But this has been years and years and years of Sam grinding and holding to his vision and, you know, being a really strong, outspoken personality about what needs to happen. And that's why I was so keen to catch up with him. I could see where he was going before even picking up this huge event. You know, he was he was doing so many things. He does his under-19s event. And then he moved on to offering the Summer League, which I thought was you know, a fantastic idea and an event in London and something that I can see a building across the country. You know, I think that that's something that needs to happen is there needs to be access in several different areas for these athletes. And then just to have the opportunity to put an event like this together with the names that were talked about, you know, both sides of the pond, really, because when you look at the coaching staff that he put together and looked at the exciting new young players on the British side, you know, they're the ones that deserve all the plaudits because they took the win, you know, at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I'm sure these American teams thought they were coming over to, to England just to kind of entertain and do a couple of dunks here and there. And, you know, from the things that I heard, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't get to the game. But from the things that I heard from a lot of people that were able to go to the game, the game was actually really tough, uh, fantastic event. And, um, you know, selling that place out is just, I, I can't even get my head around it. What a phenomenal job for Sam. And I'm so glad I got the opportunity to sit down with him, you know, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, and if you haven't tuned into that episode, make sure you go and listen. It was Jay, you did a great job. And we talk about it a lot. There's so many people who sit on the sidelines and talk about what British basketball needs, what it doesn't have, and they just sit on the sidelines. Sam Leader isn't that, what you mentioned. He's been grafting for years. You know, he's not part of this microwave success. Um, he's been in the background, and, and now he's starting to reap the benefits. And the hardest people to appease is players. And when I saw on multiple players' Instagram story a photo of Sam Nieter, that's when you knew he had arrived. So he has the respect from all the players around the country. And so keep carrying that flag, my man. Uh, you are doing one great job for British basketball, and it's not going unnoticed at all. So keep it up. Well done from Jay and I here on the BBL show. And speaking of the BBL show, we know you guys saw the news there on Twitterverse and on Instagram. Yes. Jay and I will be in the building at the Thunderdome on September 10th and 11th for the Taylor Classic. Really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, it's a great way for us to kind of flow into season three. Can you believe that already? Season three, man. And um, yeah, great event where we got a couple of teams involved along with the Manchester Giants who are going to be representing with with Vince and co with with Dirk Williams. Ramon Fletcher, man, I'm excited to get down there. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a great event for us to to kind of spread our wings. You know, I, th I think that, um, you know, we're both fairly ambitious people and we've we've got ideas for the show. You know, you're absolutely right. Going into season three is mind-blowing from, from where it began and what we were thinking about for the show. 
Um, you know, and I and I feel like we're going from strength to strength. We're always trying to get better. We're always trying to talk about these things. And, and what better way than to go and spend some time with, you know, a great friend and one of the great characters in the game in Zaya Taylor. You know, like I really um, have enjoyed talking to him about his ideas that he's got um, around the Taylor Classic and, uh, and around the Word and Thunder, what he's trying to do with the rebranding. Then we're going to throw in Vince and we're going to throw in Ramon and we're going to throw in Dirk and we're going to get to see some of these really top level uh, Division One teams as well and see some of the talent that's coming through there. So, yeah, I, I just feel honored that, um, you know, Zaire picked up the phone. He thought about us. He, he, we were the guys that he wanted to get down there. And it came at a good time because we were having those conversations. There's a couple of different directions that we want to go as the show and just to represent and play our part for the BBL. So this is a great opportunity. Absolutely, Jay. And you mentioned in there about the show is going from strength to strength. And that's going strength to strength because of you guys out there, the listeners, the fans that's tuning in every week, that's interacting with us on social media. So we don't take any message. We don't take any listen for granted. Jay and I are always, always appreciative. And so we hope to see a lot of you fans down there and we're then to kick off this preseason. So really looking forward to it. But what we're really looking forward to is the man of the hour. Mike Tuck. But before we bring him in the room, let's take you back, way back, with a little Alaska look back. In this episode of the Alaska Look Back, we look over the career of Mike Tuck. Mike Tuck, who honed his skills in the greater Toronto area and earned himself a scholarship to Loyola University, Maryland. After wrapping up his college career with a six-man award and a degree in communications, he took his talents across the pond in 2008. After playing in Cyprus, Luxembourg, and France, he made another pit stop, in which he thought was a pit stop in England. Who would have known in 2009 after suiting up for the Sheffield Sharks that 13 years later, he would retire as the Sharks' all-time leading scorer and rebounder, but most importantly, a winner, winning several championships during his BBL career. But I think it's fair to say that 2016 would be his most memorable, beating the Leicester Riders, capturing the MVP, finishing with 22 points and 13 rebounds. But most importantly, in front of mom, his mom Susan was not only there to witness him winning the championship and grabbing MVP, but also captaining Team England in the Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games in 2018. I spent a little time with her there, and boy, was she proud. Well, we are as Mike bows out of the game, but not for good, as I'm sure we will see him on a television near you. So to the underdog that overachieved, we will see you on the other side. Hell of a career, Rumi. And that is your Alaska look back. Man, fantastic look back as always. Let's enjoy a celebration of a fantastic career for a great friend. Let's get him in the room. Newly retired Mike Tuck in the building. How are you, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. It's good to see you guys. I hope you're well. Just here, sitting here, enjoying the first week of retired life. Well, I'm enjoying it for you, man. I brought out the fine wine for Mr. Tuck. I had to have a drink to my guy, my roomie. Welcome to the other side, and better yet, welcome back again 
on the BBL show where Mike was here on for uh, episode three in season one. So uh, it's good to have yeah, you back on the show again, my man. You guys do a great job. Love listening in, tuning in, getting the latest news. It's good to be back. There's absolutely no doubt that we've we've got our hundredth episode coming up soon, and lest we forget the all-time roster that Mr. Tuck picked himself, the amazing confidence that he has. Of, of course, course he did. I know did. I, it was absolutely brilliant. Something I remember very very fondly. But hey, let's let's just kind of jump in and start with retirement for you. When was the thought process? You know, I, I would say not a huge surprise because I think when we start to get to this age, I think it is a year-by-year -year process. In some respects, it might be a day-to-day -day process. But for you, when was the actual reality of, of, of retiring come to fruition for you? Yeah. Um, it's obviously been something that's been on my mind for the, for the past few seasons, actually, uh, even kind of pre-COVID. Pre uh, it was kind of, I was, you know, playing with the idea. Um, but, uh, this season, you know, just, I took a different role with the club, you know, more limited minutes, just kind of being more of a locker room and a voice on the team. Um, and then with having conversations with the front office and, and with my family, I just, you know, I figured that right now kind of seemed like it was the right moment to kind of, to kind of do it, to, to pull the shoot. Um, there's a lot going on off the court with the Sharks. Um, obviously, uh, they're moving into their we're moving into our own arena uh, a year a year from now, so August 2023. And I think they kind of they wanted more all hands on deck. And um, I think for me, you know, I'm no no spring chicken. Um, and you know, sitting for longer periods on the bench that starts to wear on you a bit. And I just figured, you know. Um, you can't play basketball forever, uh, and I figured that this was the right time to start transitioning and start focusing on the next chapter for myself, uh, and I think that it's an exciting time. Obviously, with the Sharks moving into the new arena, uh, I actually stopped by there earlier today, and we've actually got some, some steel framing going up, so uh, it's all actually you know coming to light now, and um, I really want to help play a bigger role in in uh, you know promoting that, publicizing that, and, and building up towards that. Well, for me, Mike, I, I want to know exactly the moment because, I, as I mentioned on the last episode, that you and I had a conversation last year, and I just kind of talked to you through my process and what it was like going for me. But so I said that I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised because anybody that follows your social media, man, you've been getting it in this summer. You've been getting buckets. You've been dunking. So. It's hard for me to believe that you had that decision made up at the beginning of the summer because of your process. So when was the exact moment that you were like, you know what, it's it's time? I think like towards the end of the season, I I I, I was kind of maybe like eighty percent there. Even at the last game that we played, um, I know in the back of my head I was kind of like, is this going to be my last game? I don't know. Da da da. And just playing with that idea, um, but it was probably uh, sometime in end of May or June when, you know, after I'd had, you know, end of season meeting with the Sharks and I talked to my dad and a few other people. And um, I think it, it, it was just, it was just the right moment. Um, and luckily I've got a lot of good guys in my corner, like you, Drew, and, and like Kieran Achar, Anthony Rowe, all different guys from around the league, you know, Andrew Thompson, a uh, bunch of guys that I reached out to and, and just talked about the process, talked about what it was like. I mean, you know, for 
for any athlete, retirement can be a daunting thing, right? And especially for guys like Drew, you'll know, going guys that play late, later than most people, you know, into their mid or to their late 30s, um, it's, it's definitely uh, a lot harder than it would be for, let's say, a guy who retires, you know, at 28 or, or 30. Um, so, but luckily, you know, after having conversations with, with all these people, they were, they were just talking about, you know, you're, you're, the basketball part is not what you're going to miss. You're going to miss the locker room stuff. You're going to miss mm. the trips with the guys and all the camaraderie and, and all that. So, um, that I was more worried about missing the basketball and, and the thrill of it all and, and being on the court and kind of being the, the gladiator out there. But, um, I had some really good conversations with good people and it, it made me more at ease with the decision. Um, so yeah, I made the decision earlier in the summer uh, and then, you know, kept everybody on their toes and decided to announce it last week. Well, trust me, Mike, you are not going to miss 8 a.m. Atiba Lion practices. <laughs> I can gear, I can book Or uh, preseason in two weeks. I was just like, oh man, I feel bad for those guys right now. I, I'm, uh, I'm over here having a great old summer. Talk to me a little bit about that transition then. So what, what does it hold? Obviously, one of the things that we know you for is being a presenter at the moment in terms of, um, you know, doing the BBL games, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, you're staying with the Sharks. You know, not, not everybody knows your situation. Let, let's kind of just dive into that a little bit because when I look at just, just spending time with just you two guys, like I feel like you are the two guys that are going to be able to transition the best. You know, in talking to Drew, like it's been definitive for him moving forward. I feel it's going to be the same way for you because I feel like you've put a, a number of building blocks in there. You're not you're you're not going to be retiring as in feet up. You're retiring and throwing yourself into the 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 next stage of your career. So you know, tell the fans a little bit about what you're going to be doing and some of those projects. You know, you just want to get your teeth into so you can move on quickly. Yeah, I mean that's something that I've always thought about. Uh, you know, the post career and trying to plan and set up for that. I didn't want to be one of those guys where basketball ended and all of a sudden I'm going through a identity crisis or or starting in a new industry right at you know ground level. I, I wanted to make sure that I set myself up. So um, I've been working alongside playing since 2014 or 15. Um, uh, originally working for um, a solicitors in, in Sheffield called Wasco Brown, who, who were a sponsor of the Sharks, and then and then eventually moving over to the front office. So I've been part-time marketing manager for the Sharks for the last three seasons. Um, and now, obviously, with retirement, I'll move into that role full-time. And that's been something I've been doing you know, throughout this summer already. I've been in the office pretty much nine-to-five grind. So um, – but, yeah, it's, it's – uh, for me, you know, that transition – Obviously, we talked about before, it's, it's, you know, it can be scary for a basketball player. But um, I think for me, I'm not jumping. I'm not starting at ground level somewhere else. I'm not jumping into a brand new industry. I'm staying with the club that I played for for years, you know, working in that front office. And I'm staying involved, heavily involved in basketball. So I think the transition will be much easier for me than it would be for, for other guys, let's say. And then obviously I've got my, my hands in, in different things going on at the same time. Uh, the Sky Sports thing, obviously we've signed another year deal with that. So, um, you know, it's amazing to be part of that. Um, I think Drew can attest to this. Just to be, you know, on, on the front lines of, of promoting the game. You know, it's nice to be promoting the Sharks, but also the game throughout the whole country and the league. You know, the league is in such an interesting place right now with mm -hmm. this new investment. There's a lot of wheels turning in the background and we, we kind of get – 
a better insight to see what's going on than the fans do. So I'm super excited with, with the future of the league. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be, you know, one of, one of the recognizable faces uh, that's helping push the league forward. And, and, you know, I hope, I hope that that role can grow as the league grows. Yeah, let's touch on that. Actually, I want to get your thoughts on that. But before we do, I just want to say how how proud I am of you of um, and I said this last episode that I have no worry in the world about Mike Tuck post basketball career. We've seen a lot of guys play retire and it's been a struggle to find that next thing and getting to really know you at the Commonwealth Games in 2018. That's one thing I've, I from that moment on, I didn't doubt that you had your head on right. You had your future lined up. So I'm happy to see that it's going to be a smooth transition for you. But um, as you talked about the league, man, I haven't I think you can agree. We haven't ever seen it this exciting. There's so much stuff going on, positive things, so much controversy, noise, which noise, positive or negative is good. Right. So, you know, we've been hammering about this all summer long. But what's your current thoughts on just the, the league itself where it is today? Yeah. I mean, if you look back, like I came in the league in 2009. You know, and the, the BBL was a much different place in, in 2009. <laughs> yeah. And you know that. You, 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 were, what, you were here in 2007, so come on now. Five, there Five you man. Don't be telling people. <laughs> um, but the league has come in such a long way. And and not to say that it wasn't good in 2009, because I, I still think it was a strong league back then. I didn't think it got the respect that it deserved. Um, but I think even the last five years, the league has really made a big jump. But now with, with this investment coming in from 777, um, I think that there's just going to be a much more organized attack um, league-wide. Uh, and I think, you know, they are, they are putting the right, the right pieces in place, um, the right budgets in place, and the right people uh, in place to start uh, really building, building up this league right now. Uh, and I think... You know, there's going to be obviously some immediate effects that we're going to see, but I think really we're really going to start seeing um, the bigger effects in like two, three, five, ten years. You know, then 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 we'll really start to see the league take off. But um, I think uh, you know they're 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 looking at branding, they're looking at every club's you know the way they market themselves and and then league wide. So I think there's a lot of different um, knots that we can tie. To, as a league to uh, to really strengthen everything as a whole. Look at the league as a whole, but, you know, let's, let's go into the, the, the effect it has on Sheffield Sharks, for example, like with yourselves looking at the future, obviously going into a, a new arena is absolutely amazing for Sheffield. They look like they're making those moves. You can see London. Now we've got this emergence of this Glasgow Caledonia thing kind of coming together, which is really exciting. And I know Kieran was was tweeting about how excited he is for that. You know, what what's the impact going to be for Sheffield, and how do you plan to take advantage of that? I think I think that's the biggest thing right now um, is that we're starting to see more teams take ownership. Um, and you know, obviously with the Sharks, uh, us moving into our own venue is going to be absolutely huge. I think you know. Sheffield is such a sporting city and, and we're very lucky to have some, some really good venues in Sheffield, but there's never really been a venue that's been, you know, purpose built specifically for basketball. So um, having, you know, a place where we can call home and basketball in Sheffield can call home is going to be huge for the city. Uh, you know, the Sharks are obviously going to be based there. 
the Sheffield Hatters are always, are going to be based there. Mm-hmm. All the academy teams are going to be based there. Um, it's being built right right beside um, a UTC secondary school. So there's going to be, you know, it's just going to be everything all in one place. And I think that's going to be huge. Also, you know, it's going to be a much bigger arena than where we currently play. So um, building up in our fan base and, and making sure that, you know, we can fill that out is, is, is going to be um, one of the challenges. But, but also I think it's going to be a good thing. There's a lot of hype about the arena right now going around the city. Um, but that's what, you know, this trend we're seeing around the league. You know, obviously, Leicester were the catalyst and Newcastle were shortly behind them. Now we're following up and now Bristol. So, you know, all of a sudden you're going to have four teams with their own venues throughout the league. And I think once, you know, we get a few seasons in and, you know, the money's kind of staying home a little bit, um, you know, there's going to be bigger budgets to play around with, bigger names you're going to be able to bring in. That's when you're really going to start to see the trickle down effect. Well, unfortunately, we won't be able to see your name, your your poster on the side of the building. It'll be more like the Mike Tuck East stands or the Mike Tuck bar area that you. I'm sure I mean, there'll be something the bar. after I'll you, the but bar. That, cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I think I agree with that. But um, the face who will be showing on side of that arena will be Rodney Glasgow, and I've actually noticed that on a couple of your social media posts you've been posting. I've noticed that you've been together, so. Obviously, the news was announced today. He signed a three-year deal. He's the new captain. Just talk about how you've kind of your process in giving him the reins. And then also, why is he the guy to lead the Sharks in this new future? Yeah, man, my guy, Rod. I mean, what a great dude. Uh, you know, we, we really get along on and off the court. Uh, ever since he showed up, he's, he's, just, been, he's just been a really down-to-earth down to dude, super easy to get along with. And, and you know, we've we built a, a great friendship. Uh, off the court. Um, the biggest thing I've noticed with him is that he's committed. Uh, as soon as he showed up here, uh, he realized, you know, what kind of organization, what kind of city this was. And, and, and he was, he was all about it. And um, even, even, you know, they had talks with him throughout the season and it was looking like he was going to come back. And, and I'm super happy that he signed a three-year deal. It gives him some stability. It gives the club some stability. And for the league, it looks great because we've got, you know, a pretty well-known face that's already played in the league for two seasons, and now he's sticking around to kind of be a, more of a face of the club. So um, that's what the BBL needs. We need more guys sticking around. We need more characters, uh, more more recognizable faces that we can see on TV and, and talk about. Um, and um, he's been great, man. Like, we've, we've been hanging out a lot off the court, you know, just, just trying to hand over as much wisdom as I can. You know, obviously I've been captain for, for 11 seasons here, so – um, just giving him just a few different tips on leadership. But to be honest, this guy, he's already, he's already pretty clued in and, and, you know, he knows what he's doing. So um, I'm super excited about the future for him. Um, the Sharks have always had a history of, of um, trying to make a British player their captain. Uh, if you look throughout their, their entire history, obviously Rod was born in, in, in the U.S., but he, he holds a British passport. So, um, and that's something that, you know, he's proud of as well, that he's, uh, he's a UK player. So, uh, yeah, no, like I said, super, super proud of him, super happy for him. Um, excited to see uh, what the future holds for him. I'm really interested about the three-year deal. Like, I think that's really, really exciting. I, and, and I think, you know, I, get, I guess let's throw that question out to both of you guys. Like, 
you know, what, what does that do for a, a player in that position? You know, because first of all, what that says is that he's got immense trust from, from Coach Lyons. That's amazing. They're taking a new step forward. Obviously, they're going to have to grow. They, they've still got you around the club. So, you know, Rodney can still tap into you, especially if there's any tough times. But, you know, what, what does that do for a player having to sign a three-year deal? I mean, Drew, it's a great, great question for you because like you always tweet out, you were like, you know, Mr. One-Year Deal, you know? So... What what does three years do for a player? What I always tell people is that being a and, – and, Jay, you know this as well. Having success at the pro level is so many factors involved. People just think that you put on a uniform and you're supposed to get buckets. Well, it doesn't happen that way, especially for people like Tuck and myself who come from another country. Everything off the court has to be right as well. You know, all those things, you know, making sure you know where the grocery store is – Knowing that, you you know, you got electric and hot water, uh, a, a reliable car, all these things play a factor in you plan to your ability on the court. So if we add in the money aspect of it, because you have to think about it, most of these guys are on eight, nine month contracts. Most of them are as soon as the last game of the season, your contract is out. So a lot of times these guys are going back home. Some are working. Some are working basketball camps. Some have real jobs. And so that steals away from your ability to, you know, maximize your ability in the offseason because you got to work. I know I've had to work before. So, you know, in my offseason. So there's so many things that it does for Rodney and these other guys to come. We can talk about um, the kid in London as well. I know he's university tied, but still. Um, you know you have a narrow focus for the next couple of years. You can focus on your game. You don't have to really worry about the financial aspect. I mean, just for me, being more specific, especially someone who's married, man, that was tough because we know that women need stability. And it'd be many times that my wife would want to, you know, go on vacation and do different things. And I'd have to be like, no, because you got to hold on tight to that money because you never know. It might be your last contract. So it's just so many things that that security can bring not only to the player, but to his family as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think from a club's perspective, you know, you look at it, um, here's a guy that they already trust, that they know, that they, they believe in, and, and, you know, you lock him down for a three-year deal. Then it's like, okay, now we can plan and build around this guy. Now, now we can start setting up pieces. We know he's going to be around, um, and we can start, you know, building a core uh, which, you know, I think we've all seen is, is a super smart thing to do in the BBL. Obviously, most teams that have success usually have a core of four, five, six guys that they keep bringing back every year. And that brings that continuity and, and, and uh, just makes it easier riding into the next season, doesn't it? And then from a player's perspective, you know, it's it's always tough when you come to the end of the season and you, and you don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. So um, that takes that pressure off his shoulders right now. Sign it for three years. He knows. Okay, I'm good. I can I can really stick in and I can and I can really start building something something here in Sheffield. And and it, the funny thing is, Rod is 29 right now. And when I was 29, I signed my first three year deal with Sheffield. So there's I see a lot of similarities in what Rod's doing right now, and and also what the club is doing for, with Rod right now. So um, and it worked for me. You know, here here I am. You know, 13 seasons later. Um, I signed two three-year deals with the Sharks. So for me, you know, that, that stability, um, not, you know, that was the worst feeling when I, in my early years, the early years as a pro was not knowing where I was going to play. And you're sitting around in the summertime, you're working out every day, 
You're looking at you're looking at your phone. You're calling your agent. You're trying to see what's happening. So it takes that stress off off of, off of his shoulders. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing a more of a trend with that within the BBL now. Obviously, it's, mm. it's alluring some bigger names, and I think you know that's a that's like I said a key for the media side is that we need some of these bigger names to stick around. We we need to start building up some storylines. We need to start building up some some heroes and some villains within this league um, so that, you know, when you turn on Sky Sports, you know, oh, hey, oh, there's, yeah, there's Rodney Glasgow for Sharks. We hate him or we love him, you know, because we've seen him on TV year after year. Yeah, man, absolutely. Like, and you, and not to mention that the stress it caused when August rolls around, you ain't got a job. I mean, that's just a different level. I mean, I've, I've gone into December without jobs. So, it's going to be huge for Roddy. And I agree with you, Mike. I think um, that you're going to see more and more of this as the league continues to grow. But I want to take you back because a, a lot of fans, they don't know your story. And um, and I want to take you back to the night of, of December in 2000 and just kind of tell the fans about that moment, which you can remember. 2000? <laughs> that was a long time ago. Man. I know it was a long. It was a long. I mean, I was graduating. I had graduated high school. Ago, that was. Um, yeah. So uh, back in 2000, I was back in uh, in Canada um, at my high school, Markham District High School. Shout out to Markham. Um, uh, and we had a practice. Uh, and after practice, we were all messing around trying to see who could dunk. From, from the furthest out. Um, and, um, you know, I went up for a dunk, missed the dunk, grabbed the rim, my feet swung out under me, my feet, my hands slipped off the rim, and I, I tumbled backwards and landed head first on the ground. Um, and I was completely unconscious uh, for, for quite some time. I had blood coming out of my ear. Uh, they had to, the ambulance had to come and get me. They put me in the stretcher. Um, and I, I completely blacked out. Um, they said that I, I was awake when they got me to the hospital. And I was, my mom said she had never uh, heard such curse words come out of my mouth before. Um, but I don't remember any of that. I woke up the next, the next day um, uh, at the brain trauma unit uh, at a hospital downtown Toronto. Wow. So they had moved me to hospitals uh, when that happened. So. Essentially what happened, I landed on my head um, and I fractured my skull and I uh, was severely uh, concussed. Um, and this was in the middle of the basketball season uh, and the, the doctors didn't know if I was going to be able to play again. Um, but luckily, um, you know, after doing a bunch of tests with, with the, the, the doctors and, and going back down to the main trauma unit, um, they gave me the all clear. And a month later, we were at a tournament down in uh, Daytona, Florida, and I got MVP of the tournament. So um, I was wow. very lucky to bounce back from that quickly. Uh, I think the basketball gods and, and probably the big god was was on my side for that one. But <coughs> uh, extremely traumatic experience, probably more so for all the people around me, like my, my parents and all my friends. Um, the entire basketball team was there. Uh, obviously in the gym at the time and the entire uh, girls team was there. So I had a, a huge audience watch this traumatic event happen, uh, but which I don't remember, but for all of them, it must've been a lot worse. 
I, I didn't even know that, to be honest. So that, that was a great story. But I mean, you, you talk about sliding doors moments and, um, you know, one, one of the ones I remember and I bring it up to you guys all the time is when I was talking to Anthony Rowe about when you first came in the league because you kind of joined late in and, I remember remember asking Anthony, I was like, you know, what about Mike? Because you played in the same league. And I know you, you guys both had a tough time in the league that you came from. You know, there was some uncertainty. Anthony comes back to us. You go to Sheffield. You know, talk to us about the moment when you kind of started to settle in at Sheffield and realize that this could possibly be home. Yeah, I mean, uh, I came from France and won. Obviously, uh, and I, I played against Anthony Rowe there, um, and um, we our team was losing essentially, you know, and uh, they cut a few guys, and then I was just kind of next on the hit list. So um, I got released. Um, I obviously have a British passport, so at the time I just I flew to London and stayed with some family, um, and then. Um, Coach Atiba Lions had emailed me earlier in the summer asking if I was available, but I had already signed my contract in France by, at that point. So um, I, I jumped on Google real quick, and at the time, the Sharks were in first place in the league. And I was like, let me just let me see if I can email this guy real quick. <laughs> um, and I, and I, lucked, I lucked out because Matt Gorman, one of, one of their import players, um, shout out Matt Gorman, my guy, um, had just picked up a, a – Pretty bad ankle injury so he was out for a few weeks so they kind of needed a replacement um so uh atiba said do you want to come up to a practice so I, I shot up to a practice and then um i think it was like two two or three days later they offered me a contract and, and the rest is history um but those first few games you know the i think i had like I think it was my second or third game. We played Leicester in the semifinal of the cup and I had 16 points off the bench. And then a month after that, we were in the cup final and we won. So the immediate success in Sheffield was what was really what drew me because, you know, I obviously had played basketball for a long time, but never had had really like success on that level before. And then obviously signed to come back the next season. We win the cup again. We make it all the way to the playoff final and we lose to the Mersey Tigers by seven in the playoff final. But those first two seasons here, I was just like, wow, this is easy. Like I'm getting all this silverware. We're making finals. And then <laughs> obviously, you know, the next few seasons after that, I found out, okay, this is not easy. Like, you know, it's, it's very, very hard to, to make finals and, and have success in, in this league. But that those first two seasons is what really locked me in because I got addicted to, to the silverware chase and, and to, but then it, it was more than that. It was obviously the organization, you know, um, Sarah Bakovich, our GM, you know, has always, has been always really great with me and has always put a lot of faith in me and, and confidence in me. Yuri Madison and obviously it's Eva Lyons, you know, um, we've got a, a, a great uh, management set up here and, it's, it's got a very family feel to it. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, an employee here. You know, you do feel like you're, you're, you're part of the family here. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, just I, I, I like the BBL. I, I like living in England. I, I had lived in Europe. You know, I lived in countries where nobody spoke English and, and, and the grind of the season there. And, and, you know, coaches are just treating you like, like you're nothing. So I, I enjoyed living in England. I enjoyed the, English speaking. Sheffield is, is a great city. You know, there's two universities here. You know, there's lots going on, you know, lots of restaurants, lots of good nightlife, all that kind of stuff. So it was it was just like a fun place to be. 
Um, and then, you know, obviously after a few seasons, you just, you know, you get comfortable, you, you get locked in and they made me captain. And um, I just, I just wanted to be here. We were so close to not even knowing that Mike Tuck exists. So uh, we are better for it. But um, yes, for our younger listeners out there, Google was around in 2009. I know that's quite surprising, <laughs> but um, Mike, you had you no had Instagram, a though. career, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> but you've had a hell of a career, man. So many accolades and team success, individual success. When you kind of reflect over your career, which I doubt you have because, you know, this is still pretty raw. What would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Yeah, it's, it's tough. It, I don't know if it has hit me yet, to be honest, because I'm, you know, preseason for the actual team hasn't started yet. I've still been kind of going to the gym and working out like I would be if I was going into the season. Um, I think when it, it'll really hit me, is that that first game of the season and I'm not walking into the locker room with the guys and I'm, I'm you know, they're on a more of a media side than, than a, a player side. So that, that's probably going to be uh, a tough pill to swallow, but also something that I'm looking forward to. Um, in terms of my career, you know, like you said, I've, I've just, I've been extremely blessed in my career and I'm extremely grateful. You know, um, I've had, got to experience a lot of good moments in my career and, and pretty, for the most part, pretty much injury free. So I've had, you know, pretty long and I've only, I think there was a stat that came out the other day. I saw, I think I've only ever missed 12 games or something throughout my entire Sharks career. And, and seven of those were when wow. I was at the Commonwealth games. So I was, I was really, really lucky in terms of uh, injuries and, and all that, those things. Um, there's, you know, some big moments. Obviously, the Commonwealth Games really stands out. Uh, you know, obviously, me and Drew down on the Gold Coast, um, and I got named captain of, of Team England, which was, for me, you know, uh, you know, a big accolade for myself and my family. Um, but the, the biggest moment, obviously, is the 2016 playoff final uh, down at the O2 in London. And uh, your boy pulls out a big double-double, and we get the win, and I, I pull home man of the match. MVP. So that that was, you know, a big one for me. My my mother, uh, my late mother, had flown over from Canada. Uh, I still remember we won in the semifinal uh, versus Glasgow versus Kieran Chara. And uh, I remember my mom called me right after. She's like, "I'm on the website right now. I'm booking the tickets. I'm coming." <laughs> it was just like, yes. So she came over. All her cousins and my and my British side of the family were in the crowd. Um, it was just like, it was just such a, a really big moment. Um, and we, and we were like heavily underdog in, in that game as well. So that, that was big, but I'm, I, I said this on a, a different interview that I've been really lucky to have a lot of big moments, but for me, um, it wasn't, it's not the moments, it's more of the people that I've got to meet along the way. Um, you know, all the, you know, obviously all the, the front office that I've talked about already, the short Sharks organization, um, all my teammates that I've had over the years, you know, guys that will be my brothers until the end, you know, guys that I still talk to from my first season of the Sharks up until this last season with the Sharks. All the guys I got to play against, you know, like you two guys and, and you know, those rivalries that we build up um, and those, you know, you, you, some, of you, some of these guys, you know, you hate them and then all of a sudden, they become some of your best friends. Um, and then, you know, the, the fans, obviously, the support 
from over the years from from the, from Shark Nation and, and the city of Sheffield for me has been you know amazing. They've embraced me as one of their own. You know, Yorkshire's adopted son right here. Um, but also the fans around the league, man. Like, uh, I've gotten so much love and hate uh, from from fans. But I mean, everyone has always been so great to me. And just to see all the messages roll in from all the different fans from, from around the league is has been incredible. Uh, and then I, you know, I got to shout out the uh, the sponsors as well. Um, the sponsors for the Sharks have, have been absolutely incredible over the years. And, you know, you don't always see what they're doing, but you know, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without them. So, uh, big shout out to all the sponsors and, their, and thank you for all their support. Love that. I mean, did I get everybody there? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you got everyone in there. Look, before before I let kind of uh, you know Drew wrap things up because I, I you know I think this is a great moment probably to to reflect on. You know, the the one thing that we have to remember is you, you know that this is a celebration. You know, this is a celebration of your career. Um, you know, you're 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 hugely fortunate. You know, to be in that position that you know what's next, and we know what's next for you. You know, we're super confident that you're going to be, um, you know, just great going into the next phase of uh, of your career. And I think also as well, it's nice for all of us to have that full circle moment, right? Like you said, you know, when you first come into the league, and you you love to play that villain in in several different places where 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 people love to love to hate to see Mike Tuck, but. Now it's that moment where we can all be together and we can all, you know, kind of build those relationships and uh, and move forward, which I think is really special. My my last final question for you, probably the most important question of the whole show, is: Will you, you know, be getting the sliders out? And does does the the dude make a comeback at, at, for the Sheffield Sharks now that you're going into the next phase of your career? <laughs> the dude. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely something uh, we've talked about. Uh, we need to uh, we need to get the mascot going. I don't Strangely, look like Johnny do. Bravo. Strangely, look like Johnny Bravo. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who is that for me to when say? When I first came to the Sharks, I was like, "Who's what's that mascot walking around?" <laughs> Johnny Bravo. But apparently he used to have a uh, surfboard with a big bite mark out of it. So Thanks it made more sense. for listening to the BBO Show. The BBO Show is a 21 the media original you, podcast. Produced yeah, by Corey Mallory with your host, J. Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show <laughs> by following the BBO on Twitter, you gotta get Facebook and Instagram, in where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just messing up. Yeah, well, man, this was uh, this was this was awesome, man. We wanted to we wanted to make sure that we gave you your flowers, and although we touched on it last episode, we thought it was right to get you on. So we appreciate you in very short notice getting on here. And um, yeah, man, I almost feel like it's an end of an era. Almost only the only guys is left is Darius Defoe, and if you want to put Teo in that box, he's a little bit younger, but. Man, it's 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 definitely a new era in the BBL. I mean, I'm just gonna say it because Defoe's gonna be here until he's until he's 50. So, uh, but yeah, man, everything you've done, man, uh, it's been it's been like Jay said that full circle moment when I came in the league, couldn't stand you because all you did was push in the back and elbow, and then becoming roommates with you in in Australia and get to see another side of you, man. It's uh it's cool, and so that's why you know for our show in particular, that's why we wanted to you know, show the other side of athletes because there is one um, with everyone who steps on the floor. So, 
you have everything to be proud of. Uh, hold your head up high, my guy. You know, we can't wait to see you in action next. And so, um, yeah, man, enjoy the other side. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you for having me on. Uh, super excited for the next chapter. Stay tuned. And fans, you know where to find us. Same time as we gear up for the season, which is right around the corner here on the show. The show. (laughs) 